Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Our guests this week are husband and wife duo Tara and Denny Solberg, who own Few and Far, a furniture and homewares business on the south coast of New South Wales. Now, they're in four locations around New South Wales, plus they are online. Travelling the world every year as designers passionate about home styling, Tara and Danny always dreamed of bringing the unique things that they saw back home to Australia. They wanted to create a beautiful place where people could enjoy a compelling shopping experience, admiring furniture and decor from faraway places, places with stories, stuff made by artists and craftsmen. So they created their business called Few and Far, with an emphasis on sourcing and importing one-of-a-kind pieces, as well as selling wholesale to over 700 accounts across Australia. Their shop fronts are right in the epicentre of the devastating bushfires in the south coast of New South Wales in late 2019, and they were hit hard by the lack of tourist trade, not to mention the impact of COVID-19 on their business. Now trade, though, is good, and they've just had the busiest month on record, off the back of winning a prestigious award at the Global Innovator Awards. I'm going to ask Tara and Denny how their design backgrounds, their graphic designers and passion for travel, the two things combined, helped shape their entrepreneurial mindset and actually got them to make that big move and take that big adventure of going into business together on their own. And why moving online during this terrible period has been a natural choice for the growth and success of a business selling unique items. So let's get into it. Tara and Danny, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Well, I, I saw in the, uh, in the brief that um, you guys live down in Manana, and uh, Manana is uh, Spanish or something like that for like... Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> but it's really sort of has another meaning too in Spanish. I think it means something like, um, yeah, just chill, you know, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's Manana. Manana. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I know is because um, many years ago, and I'm going back a long, long time, when I finished the high school certificate, I was only seven and a half, and um, me and two mates of mine, great friends of mine, we uh, travelled down to Benelong, and there's a, there used to be at least, a uh, national park there or something like that, like a parking uh, camping ground, so they're still there. Still there. And uh, we stayed there for six months in a two-man tent and uh, surfed our asses off at um, Manana Beach. Mm. I'll be honest with you, it was one of the best memories of my life. Uh, it was pretty rough. In those days, I'm going back. You know how long I'm going back? I'm going back yeah, 47 years ago. Yeah, I was there 47 years ago. Wow. That's probably older than you both are. Yeah. There's a few more people there now. Yeah, I would have thought, <laughs> thought so. It was pretty cool though. Uh, it was a gnarly um, left-hander coming on Manana Beach. We 
like down the at the north end, and I used to have to we used to have to paddle over this really deep section. And I remember it was clear, and I used to always think there were sharks in there. Um, do you know the spot? Yeah, Green Island. Green Island. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And uh, I, used to, I I don't think I could do it today. I wouldn't have the um, stupidity, maybe. I don't know. But I used to just travel over there. I'd be looking down the eye. This shark. But I used to be looking at that left hand break. I think, my God, that's so good. I'm not going to miss out on that. Yeah, it's. A I would be one. terrified falling off if I fell off my board. Like, I mean, you're obviously a surfer, right? So yeah. that's your deal. Um, do, do you surf? Uh, not really. Not really. Well, I. In summer. <laughs> in summer. But you're, you're an avid surfer. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that's that's my thing, yeah. yeah you're still, still doing it? Yeah, yeah, I try. Yeah? Yeah. How old are you now? I'm 47. <laughs> that's weird. I was, I was down there 47 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So you were just being born. Um, so like for 47 years ago, so, and you you still surf. I mean, that's God's country. I don't know if it's still the same down there, but it used to be like yeah, a bit it's remote. Cool. It's pretty similar. Still had Probably milk bars changed. and stuff like that. Still got, still got any milk bars down there? General store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just relaxed. It's just, yeah. um, it's there's, you know, there's not so many rules and people tend to relax, you know, you Trying to get away with a bit more than you would, sort of, you know, <laughs> dogs off leashes and stuff like that. I probably should say. Yeah, no helmets. <laughs> yeah, things like that. It's just very casual, and and yeah, you kind of know everyone. Like I don't necessarily have to ring someone and go, "Hey, you want to go for a surf?" I'll just go and I'll know someone. It's the community is really good like that. You you end up chatting with different people, so it's not you're not so you know on your own. You, you you're sort of part of a community. I really like that. And then that sort of um, folds into. Sort of a little bit about your story. I, I want to go back and ask you two guys how you got into what you do. Um, we started in Huskisson. Tara grew up in Huskisson. Right, I actually okay. moved another, to Huskisson when I was 16. But um, we started there and then from there on it's been another store, another store, another store, another store. You've yeah. still got stores? Yes. Yeah. we've got. But, you, but you've been doing online, haven't you? We've been online. Because I looked at your Instagram page and it's yeah. pretty active. Yeah, we're, we've been online. We've been online pretty much since day one, but you know how that's evolved, like from 10 years ago where it was, you know, you paid a lot of money. And you really Even more so much. lately. But nowadays it's it's a lot easier in some ways, but um, you're more involved in the back end of it. But, yeah, we've been online from day dot, but it's that's been growing. Because you can do that if you've got the right product, and we'll talk about your products in a moment, especially if it's unique. It's not something you can't go and buy it. Um, David Jones or wherever, um, Harvey Norman, etc. Um, not there's anything wrong with you, Jerry. Um, your, <laughs> your stuff's great. Um, but if you're looking for unique pieces, the online environment is perfect for me. I mean, and given COVID, etc., I guess that online thing, that's, we've all been forced to uh, fix that up, get better at it, yeah. particularly when it comes to one-offs. And uh, you can do online by living in Manana. I mean, like, you don't have to be living here in um, Edgecliff in Sydney or Yaguna in your case where you grew up. Yeah, I think. Well, we, yeah, we, well, we've got four stores at the moment. So Huskisson, we've got two in Huskisson, one in Berry and one in Barrel. And we started our business basically to create a lifestyle for ourselves. So we wanted to stay living on the South Coast. We were both graphic designers for a surf company. And, um, Can I just stop? I want to know yeah. who they were. I, I want to go back to that decision yeah. Yeah, sure. for life, lifestyle because yep. not many people um, can do it properly. Mm. Usually we go chasing that lifestyle yep. and we suck at it and the next thing you know, we're, we're drawn back into the, the mainstream and we're mm. back here in the city driving to work for an hour every day or catching the train and uh, and being unhappy. So let's just go back for a moment. You, Tara, you grew up in Huskisson? Um, I grew up in Vincentia, which uh, is near next there. to Huskisson. Yeah, 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 Jarvis Bay area. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I grew up in Yaguna. Okay, so <laughs> my mum my mum worked at the Three Swallows Hotel. You know the Three yeah. Swallows Hotel? Yeah. 
Yeah, I grew up around that area. I went to school at um, uh, the top of Chapel Chapel Street there, Chapel so Road. Did I. Yep. yep. <laughs> same school. Did you go to the same school as me? I went to uh, DLSL Bankstown. Yeah, I went to Benilde. Um, yeah, and then I went to Benilde, but I was only at Benilde for, oh, gee, I can't, maybe four or five months. And then I moved down the coast. Then you moved down the coast. Yeah. Now, I, I, I want to, because a lot of people listening to this sort of live out there. I mean, it, why, why is it we all, all of us, can't wait to get the fuck out of there <laughs> and move down the coast where some, or, or move up the coast and go surfing. Because every one of my mates who went to Benilde mm. either moved down the coast. Yeah. My dream was always to be a bar and I've got a farm there now, but I never moved up there until more later in my life. You have gone from Yaguna yeah. down the south coast. Yeah. What, what is that? What, what is it that, what is it we don't like about that area when we're 17? What is it, or is it we are seeking a different type of lifestyle to what our parents had? Wasn't conscious for me to be honest. I went down there kicking and screaming. I, I didn't want to go. My brother was two and a half years older. Um, I think it was partly financial. Like we lived in housing commission. We didn't have a lot of money. Um, my parents worked really hard, but not a lot of money. So I think down there, you know, I think from memory they bought a house for forty six thousand dollars, and it was two streets from the beach. But it was a dead set shack. Like it, it was barely livable. Um, but that's an adventure. That's a big Absolutely. deal. Absolutely. I remember going to school and we had tarps over the house. We didn't have a roof. Like, that's a massive thing that your parents did. Yeah. When they, you think about so it. So I think they just, they beat the bullet and just went, fuck it, we're going to do it. Yeah. And Better life. Get it well. out. Get and out. we're going to own our own joint. Yeah. And then did you meet Tara down there? No. I We actually lived two streets apart. For, wow. For like, I don't well, know, I think you time. even lived in my street for a little while. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then, uh, cause I, when I went down there, I, like I said, I went kicking and screaming and then I discovered surfing and I was like, you know, I thought, holy hell, this, this is crazy. Um, so it was a whole, and it, I just found myself down there. Like I love nature. I, I could walk along the beach to the bus stop, but, um, I guess getting back to Tara, like, <laughs> I, I, the surfing thing, I traveled a bit, so I ended up living at Manana cause I just wanted to surf. That was Jervis Bay's got surf, kind of, but not really. Only when it big swells, only certain places you yeah, surf Yeah, so Manana's like, if you want to surf, you've got to be close to the ocean. So um, I got out of Jervis Bay and moved to Manana, and I lived at Mollymore for a bit, and I traveled for a bit. But when I came back from overseas, I, I worked in the local RSL. I just wanted to come home and do nothing and just surf for a bit. I'd just been in London and in and out of London and traveled the world and stuff. So... And I knew of Tara. Tara would come into the RSL and I'd serve her drinks. I'd only just turn 18. I knew she was. <laughs> <laughs> By that, well, when I'm walking into the RSL then, I'm like, he's too old for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, he's still getting drunk. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. You know, bring it on, bring it on. Come on. You know, it, it, but, yeah, so we knew each other, <laughs> you know, we knew each other to say hi and, and stuff like that. And then uh, I ended up. But you were, and you were a graphic designer? I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. During but this I, period? Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. But I was having a break. I just got home. And I thought, you know what? I just, I've missed home. I miss fishing. I miss surfing. I just want to come home. And I'll just get a night job at the bar and do that for a year. That was my goal. Um, and then I'll get serious. Age? So I was still, yeah, I was still like 26, 27. Um, and then I ended up working for a guy and he did some work for this surf company, Ocean and Earth. And, and then Ocean and Earth actually sort of came to me and said, hey, we want you to come in. Um, with us, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That sounds amazing. You know, I'm a surfer. This is like a dream job. Totally. Um, so yeah, I'm all in. Um, and then you know, fast forward a few years, I was as the a first, graphic designer, though. Yeah, yeah. And so I pretty much did everything in that in that brand. It was they didn't have a lot of branding at that point, and it wasn't super 
like it is now. It wasn't so important. But I'd come from London. I was very much into it. And I think they saw what I was doing for someone else and like, we need to get this guy maybe. I don't know. But anyway, they grabbed me. And then years later, as it grew, like I was the first designer. And then as it grew, we got more and more designers. And we ended up um, putting it out there. We needed a women's designer. And Tara applied. <laughs> and, and I um, walked into the interview. Yeah, and, and I'm like, oh, like, I know you. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got the job. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't totally my decision, by the way. Um, there was a few people. But that was an ocean of And it's funny, yeah. you know, uh, it's a brand. It's a well-known brand, well-known surfing brand. Um, and, you know, graphic designers are then, are today's Instagram producers or, uh, you know, I don't know what you call them, production people. I mean, you're the guys that come up with the creatives and the ideation around what's going to go up on Instagram, what's going to go on Facebook, what's going to go up on LinkedIn, and what you do with all your digital mediums and how you promote your brand. Mm. I mean, that's graphic designers. It lends itself to so many things. Yeah. I mean, a graphic designer is one of those businesses that have actually been able to sort of take advantage of the online evolution and you can move into so many areas. Mm. So it actually you probably had no idea that that graphic design skill and qualification – and um, experience that you got at Ocean Earth <laughs> um, was going to actually one day form the basis, probably, to be honest, because I looked at your Instagram, like, the basis of your business is being able to show people what you got yeah. and tell a story yeah. in your in your imagery and et cetera. Yeah. You know, sort of tell the story. Otherwise, it will be Harvey Norman. It will be Domain. I mean, that's it because, you know, like you've got to say this is something different. Yeah, And definitely. then, you know, your your business is – one of those businesses, like, ideally lends itself to creativity. How would you describe the furniture? I mean, what, what would you just call it? I mean, I was going to say it's not antique. It's pieces of, of interesting stuff. Some of them are antique, um, but a lot of them are, like, they're either reclaimed or repurposed, I guess you could say. So a lot of the pieces we have from India are created from old window frames or old door frames, you know, like they'll buy, our supplier will buy a complete or an entire haveli or something that's going to be demolished. And then they just salvage all of the pieces. What's a haveli? Like a big old kind of a big old building, or like some in of India, out of India. Quite yeah, in in India. I mean, it can be an old school, old school desk, yeah, and old vintage pieces. I mean, basically, I think things with stories. That's that's what we yeah you know, yeah. That has a story. We enjoy mm. the creativity of the culture it came from, and and the story and the background and its history. And you know that piece is eighty hundred years old. It came out of a hill tribe. You know, it's carved out of one piece of timber. It's, it's things you talk about, other than I got that. It, you know, it's on sale. Part of a yeah. package deal and all of that kind of thing. I mean, thing. that's, and, and what's interesting about this is that you can't take on Harvey Norman. So, because he's too big, you, you you won't get the volume, you won't get the economies of scale, you don't, you won't have the investment to put into it to sort of sell mainstream like that. You're not going to have the ability to build stores and online environments and carry the inventory that these guys have got to do to be survived. So, really, what you're doing here is something that you can do. And you're you're taking your skill direct into an environment where you can succeed. Mm. So you're 26, you just said, when you were working at Ocean Earth. Mm. Together you worked around that period. We worked together for quite a while, yeah. Um, Yeah, I started there in about 2005, I think. So I'm about 10 years younger than Danny. But And I came to Ocean Earth fresh out of uni. So, yeah, that was my... So when did you, who was it and when did you get that idea, let's do something together? How did that happen? With our business? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, part of the role that we had at Ocean and Earth was to travel the world twice a year as designers. Terrible. Yeah, really, really terrible. It was pretty hard, Talk actually. Talked into that one, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, Danny had come up with that one. Um, so we'd go to five countries in about two weeks. So mm. we had two days in each place kind of thing. But the whole idea behind that was to trend forecast and to see, you know, overseas is ahead of Australia in terms of fashion. What can we bring back? What ideas can we use from there and create a new range with? So we'd buy samples. New range of what now? Uh, so clothing, shorts, um, fashion accessories, surf accessories, like the whole lot. Yep. So Danny did the entire men's range at Ocean and Earth and I did the, the ladies or the women's side of things. So yeah, every single product. Um, so we were looking for ideas in every area. Um, we did have help there too. Like there was, there was a team of us in the Yeah, area. well, it grew. Yeah, initially it so was. So where would you get us to? Um, we'd start usually in Hawaii. Hawaii. We'd just fly to Hawaii. We'd stay there for an afternoon. It was more of a break. We'd do a little Waikiki thing. <laughs> cool. uh, hit the, hit the board, And then we'd walk <laughs> the streets and then um, basically get on a flight next morning to LA. And then we'd stay in usually in uh, Santa, Santa Monica, Monica. And then we'd basically do two full days. So all day you just go and shop, 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 shop. And you have your targets yep. and your hits. And then two days later we get on a plane to London. London. So you sort of fly in in the morning. You might fly out second night. London and we might go to Tokyo. Well, we went, we'd always do London. Then we'd do, we'd choose another European city. So we've done like Barcelona, Barcelona. or Paris or somewhere like that. And then it would be to Tokyo and then home. Every now and then samples. Yeah. yeah. So the idea is to bring back the stuff that you saw that might be trending yeah. in another place. Today you'd be looking at what's trending on Instagram or some other place. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to travel, but you used to go and see what's trending in yeah, LA. Yeah, I think you'd still travel because a lot of it's based on cut too. You know, you might yeah, find fit. something and you go, this fits really good. Yeah. The print's terrible, the colour's terrible, everything's terrible, but this fits really good. So I'm just going to buy it for the fit. Um, then you might buy something and go, oh, this, this style's terrible, but I really like the, the treatment of this denim. So I'm going to buy that denim, you know. And so you, you're buying bits and pieces. I just like that pocket. I'm just buying it for the pocket. That's it. Um, so mm. you, you're putting pieces together. And when you're dealing with Asia, whether it's, you know, China, Vietnam, wherever you're manufacturing, it's so much quicker. It's, it's mm. such an advantage to be able to show them something. I mean, yeah, you can totally. draw it. You can send it in an email in five seconds. But if you send it, to if you send them the actual thing, the physical. Yeah, copy this. Yeah. You know, apply that to that, plus that, plus that. You know all these different things. It's it it just makes life easy. Yeah, this fabric, this cut. Yeah, in this color. Yeah, and you might have three different pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you make it easy. So you were doing that, and then how did you get into what was the bright spark to decide <laughs> to do what you're doing now? Well, I've always loved homewares, and when we were on these overseas trips, there are a couple of stores over there that I've always loved, like Anthropology and these big homewares stores. So I'd be dragging Danny in, like, can we just have a look in here? Let, let's have a look in here. And and so, yeah, always dragging him into those stores. Did you take photographs? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. We'd take a lot of photographs. You got brochures and stuff. Yep. Like, All of that yeah. kind of inspiration. Of yeah. Heaps of photos. But you take things for, you know, even though you're designing clothes, you're still doing everything. Like designers, graphic designers kind of look at things in different ways sometimes. I think they look mm. at very aesthetic. So you look at signs, you look at buildings, you look at... So because when you're looking, working for a brand, you're, you're thinking the whole experience. You're thinking, yeah. this store's amazing. So I'm taking photos of the store and then I'm going yeah. back and going, look, Brian, look at this store. It's amazing. Like, this How is can the, we recreate this? This is the way they're yeah. doing it in America. This is the way they're doing the music they're playing. Yeah. The, you're looking at everything. So, yeah, so, you, so I mean, what we're hitting on here is like not just having an idea but the research around it and what yeah. works. Yeah. And also 
experience. I mean, you can sort of pick up a bit of the experience out of, um, you know, online, but you've got to feel it. Like you're right, it's the music, it's the smell. Yeah. It's, it's, the, yeah, it's, it's the experience. It's, it's all the, the stuff you can feel, mm. or even how you got to dodge, hey, what do we weigh in and out of a store? I mean, mm. like just how, yeah. how they set it up. The setup yep. is probably another way of putting it. And that, that's pretty hard to explain or express by video. Um, and, and so, sorry, Tori, you, no, you were right. saying, and then? Yeah, so and there was one store in particular that we walked into in Melrose in California, and um, they had imported like this, they had this giant showroom of pieces from China, Indonesia, uh, India, you know, all over the world. Vintage and old. Vintage pieces, yeah, a lot of old vintage pieces. And we were sort of walking in there just going, wow, this is amazing, and the owner was sitting up at a desk with his laptop at the back of the warehouse and Danny was just like, I want to be him. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> so, yeah, and, you know, every time I'd walk into, like, I loved anthropology. I'm so sort of inspired by their concept. Anthropology and, is a brand. Yes, it yeah, is. I think yeah. you should explain what this is. They've got the most amazing is. stores, um, like their fit-outs. Like they put a lot of effort into their fit-out, the whole store experience, the merchandising, all of that, uh, that style. So it, that was really inspiring to me. Um, and again, it was because of the way that I felt when I walked into those stores. It was just that whole, I could probably stay in there for over an hour. Explain it's, it through the senses though. Okay. So you walk in the door and straight away, you kind of just like, you forget about everything that's outside because what's in front of you is just so spectacular, amazing, and, you know, it just brings you in. It just draws you in. You, ter- you, you mean in terms of the content in the joint? Like the, the Everything. Things? It's a complete sensory experience. So you so walk in. Can you explain? In. Go through the sen- like yep. smell, sight. Yep. So first one, I guess, is sight. Um, just everything around you, all different levels, all all different heights. Yeah, they know, play with scale too. Different are, you know, layers, yeah, layers, so many layers. Um, and then it's the smell. So they've got, you know, candles or something, you know, Burning that I just hope our listeners are listening to this because yeah. this is this is a store experience which you yeah. can't get online. You can try no, and you can try and express it, but this not. is important. Yeah. So the first sense is what you see. Sight. There's the smell, the smell, and then there's the music. So that's probably a bit more of a subconscious thing. You sort of don't really take so much notice of exactly what We're music's playing. Morning playing. of the Earth or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> it just sets the mood. So you're like, you're relaxed, you're happy to walk around, you're happy to browse, take your time, look at everything. And then there's the way that they've merchandised. So there's the different layers of products. So it keeps you captivated for a period of time. So, you know, it's not just kind of like a minimal store that you feel like the person behind the counter is glaring at you and everything you touch or pick up, but you, you feel like you're allowed to touch things and you want to touch things. So you can feel things. Yes. Yeah. 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 So they're the senses. I mean, I, I, I think that's really important because not many stores today, um, and this is where the stores have it over online every day of the week. Um, an actual store, if it's done properly, can, I think you use the word tarot, captivate you and, um, captivation and memory because I'll remember things if all my senses are peaked. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, they're the most powerful brandings mm. yeah. when all the senses get peaked. Mm. And what you're talking about is um, this anthropology peaking all your memories. Yes. And what you're now saying to me is from there. Yeah. 
you wanted to do that. I wanted to do mm. that, yeah. That's what you wanted to do. That's powerful. Yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah. I think we've, we've never really done it for the money. I think we've done it for the challenge. We, you know, we like the vision. You know, I think we're very aesthetic, so we have this very clear vision. And like Tara said, you know, that putting all those pieces together, um, wanting to be able to do something like that, but in our way. And then that guy we saw sitting behind the desk, I'm like, so this guy obviously travels. He's got all this stuff from everywhere. And how cool is that to go and find these things in these countries that, that I like exploring as well, you know, Indonesia, India, northern China, you know, whatever. So, yeah, the whole thing just as a package appealed to me. Yeah. That, and from there was born? So that's when we started Few and Far. So our first store was in Huskisson. So we found a store that, that was up the end of the street, sort of, uninhabited obviously nobody wanted to go up that end but it was the right size it had the right feel for us in terms of well it was a really old building that was pretty much falling down and we spent a lot of money restoring it and bringing it up to that level that we needed it to, to be but for us that was kind of perfect you know it had old floorboards and things like that or under like layers of lino carpet and rotted floorboards but we could kind of give it that look that we wanted rather than, you know, a small store with a tiled floor or something like that. It was all about that look and create. It's all about what somebody thinks when they first walk through the door. So, you know, you have to get their attention as soon as they walk through the door and those first impressions for us really matter. So we took the lease on that store and, um, I finished up at Ocean and Earth first and Danny, the plan was for Danny to stay a little bit longer to make sure that we could actually Had get this thing flow. working. Yeah, keep the yeah. cash flow going. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but, but that's an important point, by the yeah. way. All you people out there who are thinking, oh, wow, I want to do the same thing, just remember one thing, you've got to keep the cash flow going. Someone's got to, you've got to be getting cash flow from somewhere. In your case, there's two of you, which work perfectly. One can take the adventure and the other one can or take the risk and the other one can uh, de-risk the risk by actually mm. holding on to some cash flow until yeah. until the revenue out of the business mm. can support both of you. Yeah. Is that, was that thinking? Yeah, absolutely. Because yes. I think even when we were looking at doing it, you know, like we we're in the surf industry and, you know, you're obviously dealing with stores and we used to go around and see stores as well. And I remember, you know, the guys, you know, at work would sort of say, ah, oh, those guys, they're just buying themselves a job, you know. It's not really that much money in it or whatever. And so we, I kind of had that like, oh, gee, you know, I hope we're just not buying a job here, you know. And it was at the, just after the GFC, it was 2009, yeah, it was end of 2009. So everyone's like, hmm, not such a great idea. I don't think you should be doing it. But, you know, we were sort of ready to move on to that next thing. Why did like, you persevere then? Uh, what made you persevere? We knew someone that had a store in Milton. And she was selling that store and she said, and she sort of was, was very kind and sort of said, hey, this is sort of, you know, how well we do or this is whatever. And we're like, oh, wow, so this is, it sort of shocked us. It's That's more said, than buying yourself it's a job. M- yeah, yeah, it was more than a job. This the return. Yeah, this yeah. person's doing all right. So we thought this might work. And then she said, you you could do it yourselves. You can do that. So that's, she got to give us the confidence to think, well, we could probably pull this off. And things um, are a bigger town though than where you were. It was, yeah. Yeah, definitely. so how did you get the... She would rely on passing traffic, like people stopped through Milton. It's on the highway. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, how did you, uh, how did you get Huskerson, the traffic? Huskisson's very popular, obviously, over Christmas yeah, and yeah. in holiday periods. 
and growing up there, we kind of obviously knew how many people kind of come locals the are town. they really buyers of this stuff? Not, not really, not really. So it's, much, but it's your it's your travellers. It's someone like me going through. I might go to Jarvis Bay and walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm saying, oh, that looks pretty good. I might I wouldn't mind buying it and throwing yeah. it back in the boot. Yeah, whatever. I kind of think when you got a comparison to you, you do your. I don't know, we still do it. You do your worst worst case, best case scenario. You yeah. go like, okay, well, if she did that, worst case, we do this. You know, and that's, that'll, that'll still work. And and then we're you know, optimists in, you know, mm-hmm. everyone who goes into business is an optimist. So we were like, we'll, we'll, be, but we'll be able to do this, that she can't do that because we'll be able to do a website that she didn't do, you know, and we'll make it different because we'll, you know, straight away, we wanted to import our own stuff, mm-hmm. you know. We, so then obviously you, you improve your margin. So... We had ideas that we thought, even if we don't get the traffic, there's still ways we can do this better. And and we'll, I guess, sort of confident that we could do that. This, this stuff requires inventory. Where did you yeah. get your capital from? Well, I, <laughs> I had a boat. <laughs> <laughs> you sold, uh, it. sold that. I sold that. <laughs> yeah, and then Tara's parents loaned us some money as well. Because yeah, you need um, capital to do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you can buy a whole lot of good cheap stuff. I mean, yeah. relatively speaking, relative to the price you're going to sell it for. But yeah. You still got to have it. Yeah, we actually it, tried it, getting a loan from the bank, but they wouldn't give us anything. Not surprised. So, oh, um, yeah. So my mum and dad lent us some money, uh, which we obviously had a plan to pay them back as soon as we could. Um, and my dad's a builder as well, so he was able to help us out with the in building the like redoing the fit out and all of that kind of thing. So that was a huge. I guess help. Danny, you're on the tools at that stage too. You you helping him out? Yeah, we used to go to work and then go there after work and then weekends we'd be on skateboards grinding the floor and like it was all, we've done everything the hard way. Yeah. No idea. Um, and we're not scared of hard work, but I enjoy physical labor, but um, yeah, it was, it was full on that. So in other words, you, you made the sacrifices, yeah. sell everything, borrow as much as we can, yeah. commitment to pay back the bank of mum and dad um, because, you know, no bank's going to bank you into that environment. No. And it's just not going to happen. And then just take the risk that you can do it better than the lady at Milton, um, yeah. <laughs> or at least as good as. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Subject to um, traffic and awareness. Yeah. Awareness is the big thing. So we're going to go to the break. I want to now talk about, uh, when we come back from the break, I want to talk to you guys about where you've taken it from here. Like, especially I want to talk about the online stuff and how you about sourcing your, your, your product and how you work out what people are interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, like, are you doing, are you monitoring your people who look at your website and your, your um, Instagram, etc., and working out from there, how do I make sure I don't end up with dud pieces that nobody wants to fucking buy? You know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to the break. Okay, I'm back from the break now, and uh, I'm here with Tara and Danny, and they've got a business called Few and Far, Tell me where the name came from. Who came up with that one? Uh, Collective. Yeah, it was a bit of a combination. It was it's sort of based on the saying few and far between. Yep. So straight away when we started, we knew that we wanted to have a collection of pieces that you can't really find anywhere else and they're literally few and far between. So the basic it tells everyone that this is pretty unique or it's, yes. in, it's, it's different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I by the way, I looked you up on Instagram. It's it's few and far. Few and far home. Few and far home. For anybody who wants to look us up, it's few and far home. And please tell me about the um, product line. So you know we've gone away from your your skill and your experience in clothing, menswear and mm-hmm. ladies' wear. So it's about furniture, is it, or pieces? Um, it's what a collection. So it's basically everything that you could furnish your home with. So furniture, textiles, cushions, decorative pieces. Uh, we've got 
you know, uh, body range, soaps, candles, diffusers. All the stuff everything. to create an experience. Everything. When you walk in my home. Yeah, if, cheese, knives, you name it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And where do you get your product from? So I know you used to travel. What about now? So we still travel. Well, obviously not in the current climate, but uh, we source a lot of our pieces from northern China, India, uh, Indonesia, Turkey. Um, Why? Why those places? Tell me, where, like, is this, is this about meeting some demand that you guys know about? Is it what your customer base likes? It's a bit. It's a bit of everything, I mm. think. You know, like, so for, like northern China is probably one of my favourite. Um, not so much places to go, but what you get there is just amazing furniture. So is there stuff Chinese type furniture we talk about? Well, Chinese looking furniture, like yeah. little those hard. I, my, in my mind, as soon as I think, I think of those hard chairs. <laughs> yeah. Really, sort of stout dude sitting the on a hard chair. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we have had them occasionally, but um, <laughs> no, it's more um, they're, they're big old cabinets basically. Like if you want to sort of put it in a nutshell, it's a big old cabinet. They used to be they hold flour and grain. And what would you use it for? Sideboard, sideboard. like a yeah, a sideboard or a cabinet or you know something that you'd have near your dining table or under your television or. Something like that. So it's sort of like not, it wouldn't be for like a super modern house. It's sort of this. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that's, I guess that's where we sort of aim to fit in. So our pieces, we, we don't really want to be labeled that sort of boho look or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do have a lot of pieces too that are, uh, I guess you'd call them stock items. So we've got, you know, we've got modern lighting, we've got, you know, all sorts of different pieces that all come in together as that to make that nice combination of modern mixed with old. So I guess you could think of like a New York loft or something like that where they've got these beautiful old pieces, but then it's got this ultra modern light hanging over the top of it or something like that. Like the ho- that whole mix is what we try to create and what we aim for. So just, just explain to me if I was to go to your store, either online or store itself, and I was to pick out, or somebody went for me to pick out some pieces. Um, what's the feeling when you walk into my house or my apartment? So, you know, like, give me the senses. Because, yeah. like, I've got a house, uh, like, it's a really old house built in 1890. It's where I live. Um, and it's got modern stuff, old stuff. It's got a whole mix of shit that I've just accumulated <laughs> over the years. And I've got a farm house at my farm, um, which is, um, it's got, like, a... Uh, Mostly um, furniture that I didn't want from other yeah. houses. <laughs> That's really neat, huh? But um, but I love these sorts of stores you're talking about. Um, but what, what, what's, what's the narrative look like once you access your store? What, what do I feel like when I walk into the loft you're talking about or yep. into my house? Or I mean, because like, let's say it's a modern house in the middle of Point Pipe, just being built like fucking marble floor and marble walls and glass mm-hmm. everywhere, like ridiculously brand new and a uh, huge, huge house. Mm-hmm. How do you furnish these places? What's the feeling I get when I come out? So it's about sparking curiosity, um, you know, questions. So it's, you know, they're the types of stores that you walk into and you'll see a piece of furniture that you've never seen before. And you sort of straight away you wonder, I wonder where that's from or... So if I walk into my house, buy, I buy something for your place, yes. I'll sit down and think to myself, this is a cool bit of furniture because it came from blah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, is I think, that what you're I think, saying? I think so. I think, it, I think it, like a home should reflect someone's life. I mean, if yeah. your life's, you know, really boring, then your furniture's 
going to be boring. I mean, if your life, if you've traveled well and you've been here and you went to, you know, Madagascar and you've got a, you know, a carved mask or something, you know, that sort of, there's stories of your life on your walls or in your furniture. They're about your experiences. They reflect, it's, you, reflect yeah. your life. So how do you do that though? So in other words, how do you bring those experiences back that I might've experienced when I went to Madagascar or wherever I went, Vietnam or something? Mm. How do you then say, okay, that's the product I'm going to buy. I'm going to bring that back. We're going to bring that back to Australia. We're going to put it in our store at wherever and because that tells a story about someone like Mark. I mean, is that what you're doing? We, we basically create the environment that we would want to live in. So yeah. when, you, when you come into our stores, what we do is we create the mix. So someone could walk in and go, I love all of this, those modern chairs with that old table with that modern lamp, but the old sideboard, uh, the Turkish rug, the way you've put it all together – this okay, is, so it's nearly a design. It's nearly a design school to some extent. But you're, yeah, you're yeah. curating and presenting it like it could look. It's very much curated. Like, yeah, I know when you sort of say in that house, you've got all those pieces of furniture that you don't want anymore. A lot of our pieces are chosen. Like when we walk around the showrooms or factories and things in India or China, looking at it, these old pieces, we're building how they look in our mind or. Or a lot of the times I know that I do, I sort of imagine it in the kind of interior that I would like to create and that's how we kind of choose those pieces. And is it like showing dummies like me, Mark, this is how one way it could be presented. I mean, is is the market like that? I mean, are the buyers – I mean, I'm sure yeah, you're going to get yeah. some buyers who really know what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. But um, generally speaking, uh, are people sort of saying, look, show me how it all fits together? Yes. Yeah, people struggle to visualise. Yeah. I, think, I think that's – I think that's uh, you know, Tara and our strength is our ability to visualise. So you're transferring that ability over to me. Yeah. I the mean, buyer. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's your your game. Yeah. We will transfer our skill mm. over to you. Mm. Um, for that, you can buy something from us. Yeah. If it hits the nerve. Yeah. Yeah. And because a lot of the times that does happen. Like people will come in and they're like, well, I just love exactly what you've done there. So can I just have the whole lot? It? Yeah. <laughs> you'd be saying, like an oath, you take the lot. <laughs> we'll wrap it up now for you. It's on its way. <laughs> I mean, but that, because so, I'm trying to get to the to the essence of what your business does, mm. you know, like, uh, like in real sort of emotional terms. Like, yeah. what is it, what does it solve for me or people like me? Busy people, I like to think it, it, we bring soul to people's homes. You know, it's it's we take the, you know, nothing wrong with it. But some people like clean cut. You know, everything new, very clinical, neat. And, but not that we're not some of that. But we like to bring soul in there, soften it up to make it organic. To you know, we love travel, so you want things that inspire you to travel and make you feel like you're on holidays, maybe even or you things like that. You know, to so it becomes emotional. We have a bit of fun with our stores too because I guess having a store allows you to be a little bit more theatrical. It's not something you'd necessarily do at home. So we have, you know, walls that are clad in recycled timber or we have like a lot of wallpaper, big chandeliers, all of that. It's all about playing with scale and pattern and colour and all of that kind of thing that people might be a bit more afraid to. I think people have lost Unfortunately, here in the city anyway, um, I think people have lost a bit of touch with being playful yeah, in their, around their home. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel that? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And is that something you're bringing back to the market? Is that something you're trying yeah. to be a bit more playful? Yes. Um, you use the word soul, soulful, playful, because yeah, it's not – sometimes we just look at it as decoration and we get hit by so many ads on television, radio, blah, blah, blah. 
it becomes commoditized. Mm. Is is this part of your game to be away from commoditization? Oh, definitely. I think I think our model is not, you know, is a difficult one in, in itself. Mm. You know that we sell one-offs. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're the opposite of a commodity. Um, so yeah, because my gut feeling—it's just a gut feeling. It's yeah. just a survey one. But my gut feeling is, and inclu- especially with things like COVID, I think people are starting to look at how they're being commoditized, how we are commoditizing ourselves. Mm. But cars, the way we get to work, the way we dress, how we sit at a desk mm. <laughs> all day, how we—but all of a sudden we're now working from home. We're looking around our joint before we just just come home, have our dinner, and pass out. <laughs> um, we never used to spend any time at home. Mm. And we've been spending time at home the last three months. I would have thought businesses like yours might have got actually a bit of an upkick definitely during this period because people have got time. Yeah. They can access you without yep. having to go anywhere. Yep. They can see your stuff. They can, and you can pique their interest. And if you do a good enough job, like you obviously do, in terms of telling your story mm. in a picture, you'll get them in. Yeah. Because I think people are over the commoditization and yeah. globalization for that matter. I mean, it's just, it's the same shit everywhere. Yeah. Can you tell me about this sense? This, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm intrigued about this. I think a lot of the traffic that comes to our online store or to our Instagram and all that is has been generated from having our stores. So I think the bricks and mortar side of our business is extremely important um, because the experience that people have had in our stores is what stays with them is and that is what captivates them. So the feedback that we have, like even through COVID, we've had, you know, you've had to obviously limit your numbers and things, but we've had people coming into the stores just saying, oh, it's just so nice to be in here because I can forget about everything that's going on out there, at least for half an hour or something. So they're just being immersed in this experience. And I think that's what's drawing them to, you know, things like our Instagram and the online store. So that's where we kind of... Bit of escapism nearly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can I ask you, I mean, is it, I don't want to sort of put a damper on things, but did you guys get affected by the bushfire period? Yes. Yep. Yeah, badly? So, yeah. Yeah. Did you lose anything? Um, we didn't. No, not we physically. Didn't physically lose anything. Um, our Manana itself, personally, that, that got surrounded by fire a yep. couple of, in a couple of goes. The controller one got close. It was five minutes longer and it would have hit. Us. And Yana with yeah. that subtly changed, but timing was good. And then the second, the Saturday after mm. the fire came back at Manana from the other side. So I think we had seven days or something without, without power. power. But even pre that, you know, the South Coast was just smoky every day. You just like out And the road closures and road everything. Closures. Yeah, totally. The highway was closed, you know, until the 11th of January or whenever it was. So, and all of our stores, like at that time, we had stores in Huskisson, Berry, Barrel and Lura and all of those areas were affected by fires. So, you know, January is normally our best month, you know, leading up, yeah. you know, and we need to kind of, I guess, cash up for the winter period, which is quieter and all of that. So everyone kind of relies on that income from that month and we just had nothing like it was just... And you stock up for it and too, you go up. nuts and you... Yeah, you know, a yeah. lot of capital out. Yeah. yeah, we'd actually taken a bit of a risk towards the end of last year and thought, okay, let's have a really good go at this. Let's, you know, we bought the most stock we've ever bought. We invested in a whole completely new range. So we had all of this stock coming that we were relying on that January trade to pay for. 
We'd paid 30% deposits on all of the shipments. There was about 12 containers or something on their way. And then the bushfires came and we're like, great. <laughs> and then COVID came. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then we thought, well, maybe, okay, we, we haven't been able to get that January trade. Everyone's cancelled their holidays. Maybe they'll come back for Easter. So how do you recover? Like lots of people been through this similar sort of stuff in different businesses, but yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You guys sit down and say, okay, right, just calm down here. Yeah. What do you do? Well, the first, the first, the, the biggest concern for us was our warehouse burning mm. down. Like, you know, you, you can get insurance against the cost of your product, but obviously that would just take, that'd just be soul destroying. So that was, we protected that. So we had to leave our home and go protect that. And fortunately that didn't get closed. But then as you sort of go, okay, well, that's it. We're done. That's, that's summer's over and we didn't do that well, I guess. For us, it was just like, well, let's just move on. Like uh, We had to just keep going. Financially, you take a hit and you just, there's nothing you can do and move on. Yeah. Mm. We, I think we do a good job with our business financially. So we always make sure we have access to, to debt or access to money or we, we're always very conscious of that. So um, we're actually in a really good position. It was more like, oh, if we had had a good Chrissy, we would be like braining it now. It would be really good and we... That's why we sort of did a big injection for wholesale. And so it was more like we just didn't get that, mm. you know, good hit that we were hoping for. But you know what? It's just put us back a bit. We'll just go forward. And do you think the pent-up demand is there now? Uh, for us, yeah. 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 Absolutely. It, well, when COVID came, it was really scary, obviously, for everyone because we were sort of working out our monthly expenses, what had to be paid every month and how far back that was going to set us. And fortunately, I guess it, that only lasted for a period of time because then everyone was bored at home and they're spending a lot of time at home. So they want to improve their surroundings and be happy where they've got to spend all this time. So they ended up buying online and, you know, making the most of all of that. So our business was going okay. Obviously the stores um, dropped off fairly significant, significantly because we had to drop off uh, well, reduce our staff and all of that kind of thing. But then slowly as the restrictions have been easing, that's been, you know, getting busier and busier. And I think... And people are going to travel now too. Well, yeah, we, I was going to say, we're, yeah. we're really fortunate South in a Coast. few really lucky things that <laughs> no one can travel. So they want to get out. So what are they going to do? They're going to go to places where we have stores, mm. which is Highlands, Berry, they're two very popular places, Huskerson. Um, we're in a category where people are at home and therefore they're going to spend, they want to do up Who would have thought, by the way? Anyway, yeah, yeah. You know, so we, yeah, we, we got really lucky. And how do you get those people down to stick? Because, you know, like, you just don't want to have a little I know. blip. You, you want them to stick to you. You want them to remember you, to come back. I mean, I guess all those experiences you talked about before of that, that anthropology experience that you had, mm. you, I mean, you're, you're making sure that happens. You've got your candles burning. You've got your music going. Yeah. You've got your uh, different layers, et cetera. And, you know, you've got your good content. Um, what are you doing then? Do you, do you get, get people's details, get their data? Or maybe, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, you explain how you're getting people to stick. Yeah, so if somebody purchases something, um, they've got the opportunity to provide us with their email address. So we add them to our mailing list and we send out a newsletter a week. Um, Tara and I have always from day one been very conscious of our service, you know, and being, you know, very personal with our, across our whole business. Like, like you said, we're not Harvey Norman, and I think that's the advantage of us is that we can be personal, that you can talk to the owner of the business if you want to, if, that, you know, that people in our, our staff are informed about what they're selling, that they're passionate about it, that they respect and, 
what we do. Um, so I think that coming from us through the business at, at all those things lets people within our business do that for us and make sure that those people have the best experience, not only in our store but after they've bought it, that you know, everything about the experience is is good so they come back. Yep. So with every with every single one-off piece that we import, it's it's really laborious, but um, every single piece we have what we call an inbound master. So we, we detail that piece, its origin, its age, its previous use, everything about it. So all those details go online for every piece. Right. Um, every piece is photographed in our studio, multiple angles inside, every single piece. Um, when it goes into a store, we'll tell people online if that's in a certain store. So that piece is available in various Yeah, because you're going to have four of them. Yeah, we don't have four of them. And we do a lot of stock items, but in those, in that case, in one-off pieces. And then on the swing tag, we'll say it's unique. You know, So we go to the point of saying this is not you know, a stock piece of furniture. This is unique. So we, at, at every point we can, we try and, I guess, educate people to say this is unique. This is a unique piece of furniture. Because everybody wants to think, oh, this is there's something unusual about this and I know something about it. It wasn't made out at um, some joint, in, uh, some factory in Bankstown, and it was made in a two-day period. It's, mm. it's actually got some history and some existence. Um, Legus, Legus got a life. Yeah, it's got some life in it. Yeah, and uh, and I'm going to add some life to it, more life to it. I mean, I, I love your story. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I am. I was only being a smartass before. I'm actually am a bit of a pur for these sorts of things, um, <laughs> these types of items. And I, when I said I've got all my stuff from. Um, that I didn't want at my farm. I actually spend a lot of time on what I buy, mm. um, and I used to at least. I haven't done it for a while because I've got everything I need. I, I couldn't fit another stick of furniture in my joint, but I do. I do love the experience of going places and walking in and saying, oh, "Wow, I wouldn't mind." That. I know exactly where I might think that might fit mm. in my joint. Yeah. Um, I think that we're all looking for a bit of history. Yeah. Something a bit different. Yeah, and it sort of builds some warmth into the deal. Yeah, and you want to feel good about what you're buying. Totally. I, I, I mean, my my final question to you is, what about price ranging? I mean, how do you price these things? I mean, where are you pricing into the market? Like, if I'm buy, do you have lounges, for example? Like we do. Yeah. Sofas, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. I mean, like if I was to buy a sofa, you can spend anywhere between three thousand for a small sofa, new new one, to like twenty thousand for a mm. really expensive one. I mean, where do you sit? On average, I think we're mid, 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 mid to high, yeah. kind of depending on you know, like there'll be pieces that you know we might buy the you know whether it's a sofa or new or old or whatever it is, and it's like wow, that's going to be quite a high price point. But that's what it is, you know. That's to get that that look and get that feel and make that mix right, then that's what it is, and I'm not willing to compromise. Like I, we could go, yeah, well, I can go get a. A, f- a fake Turkish rug and pop that under there, and but then it doesn't do justice to the other parts. So, but then say rugs, for example, we can get a rug that's. Well, we've what? got like a thirteen thousand dollar rug, and then we've got a three thousand dollar rug. Like yeah. there's, we have everyone walk through the door. So, some people might not be able to afford some of the things that we offer, and they really just want something because yeah. they've had that experience and they want to remember that experience. So that's why you know we'll offer the. $3 soap or the $6 mug or whatever it is because they can say that they've bought it from that store. It makes them feel good about their purchase. So we've got things from, you know, $3 to $13,000 kind of thing, that mix. Well, it's been a, I'm going to give you a chance to ask me a question because I've been asking all the questions. But like, <laughs> um, but before I do, it's been a great pleasure to um, meet two people who um, have actually managed to build your four shops, yeah? 
Yeah. Yeah, four shops and an online business and a wholesale business too. Um, and also to have a lifestyle that fits into the business. Not many people achieve that. Um, most of us work our whole life so that when we turn 65, we can have that maybe. Um, <laughs> you, know, you try to make meaning out of life. And to me, the only thing I can get out of it is um, life's accumulation. You've got to try and accumulate more experiences. It's yeah. just all your experiences and and also the memories that attach to them, but all the things you've experienced and what you're doing in your business and your actual life, you're a couple for a start, is, that's, that's a big deal. Um, you are actually selling your experiences to other people mm. yeah. or sharing it. Sharing yeah, it, yeah. Sharing. That's a great fucking business, you know. I mean, you've got all the modern stuff. You've got all the Instagram, all the all the mediums that are now being used. You're buying where you can. You're trying to make sure you keep your margins right. You're playing all those business games. But uh, over, the, over the top of all that, overlaid over the top of that, a boy from Yaguna and a girl from Huskinson have got together and they've used the skill that they both developed and they actually took a risk mm. and you made it happen. Yeah. It takes time, but you made it happen. Yeah. Congratulations. Well done. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> what one question have you got for me? If you got one, you might not have any, but if you've got one. It's kind of relevant in looking at online, you know, because I'm, uh, I got my, I got my, not doubts about online, but I have my um, opinions on online, which I see a lot of people spend a lot of money to make Building a real online. little margin. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that the numbers that you hear in the media and all that sort of stuff hype it all up and, yeah, you get my drift. So, and us, our, our experience is very much in in uh, bricks and mortar. Yeah. So, yeah. Question. Well, I guess we feel that our weakness is probably uh, in the marketing side of things. Like we need brand to awareness. build more brand awareness and that sort of thing. So um, what percentage, um, I guess, of your turnover or profit, whatever, however it's calculated, would you put towards marketing and what is the best way to build brand awareness? Um, that's a good question. Um, you're not a commoditized business. No. For example, my yellow brick road business is a commoditized business. No such thing as an Armani dollar. All dollars are a dollar same. And my, if I lend you money or the Westpac lend you money, it doesn't make any difference. So what's really important for me is, is to build out awareness. I mean, I need thousands and thousands, literally tens of thousands of transactions every couple of months. Yeah. Um, and for fairly large amounts, of which I make a very small margin. Yeah. Very small, like basis points, like 0.01%. Yeah. So I, as you can imagine how many transactions I need to do. So my business, in terms of how we spend our money on our market, digital marketing I'm talking about now, as opposed to general marketing. Do yeah. you talk about digital marketing? Uh, general marketing. Okay. Um, general market. we don't do any general marketing anymore. Okay. Everything we do is digital. Okay. Yeah. And the reason we do that is because it allows us to be much more efficient um, in that I don't spend a whole lot of time building uh, production costs and building a um, uh, a campaign. Yep. So digital is a bit more boring, but it's commoditized. Mm. And if it's wrong, I can change it in a heartbeat. Mm. And I know if it's wrong because I know people aren't coming You're at getting it. Getting results. I'm yeah. just looking at the, the metrics. In mm. terms of the amount of money I determine I'm going to spend, it's based on what that cam- what a campaign raises for me. So if a campaign that I run takes my income – 10% more than my income was prior to the campaign. I take the profit out of the campaign. So if I'm working on a 50% margin, so I'm making 5% more, I reinvest the 5% in again for, an, for the next campaign. Yeah, right. Okay. So I just keep reinvesting what I made yeah. out of the last campaign. Yeah. yeah. I only spend what works. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's the best way to do it in a digital sense. Yeah. 
as well, like, you know, there's there's endless opportunities to spend money, even in digital, you know, yeah. like with your you know, SEOs and yeah, yeah. Google ads. And well, that's how we buy. I buy, I buy, I, buy, I mean, we spend on SEO, but I, we, we buy Google ads and we buy um, targeting through yeah. Facebook and LinkedIn and, and uh, Instagram. Um, but I only spend the amount of money that I made from the last campaign. Yeah, right. And we're always shifting. Yep. It is the, the dark, dirty, digital marketing <laughs> business that currently exists in the world because I'm in a commodity business. Yes. You're yes. in this beautiful industry where if you can just get them in your shop, yeah, you're probably going to sell them something or you're going to own them anyway. So do you think that digital marketing side would bring people into the store? I like, think I, it's more if they're on a trip or if they're, you know, yeah. if they're coming down your way, maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, you're just going to rely on your trade. You've got to work out how I can get people to actually say, I'm going to go to your store. Yeah. That's hard through digital. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. hard, Yeah. I, I think. And I, I, for me, I wouldn't be spending too much money on that because I reckon that's a fast way of losing dough. Yeah, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like you you, you just got to know, I think it's about starting small and reinvesting the money you make and just building it and building it and building it and building it. Starting really, really small. Um, so I reckon you just be careful how you spend that money. Okay. I'd be doing just really small scale digital stuff and just building out and seeing what works. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Thank guys. You. That was wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Mark.